It's been a long week, everybody, hasn't it been? Yeah. Yeah. Some weeks are heavier than others, and some Shabbatot are heavier than others, so I wanted to start with, on a light note a little bit. I'll tell you, you know, we weren't here last Shabbat, my wife and I and the kids, we, we tried to get away. So we flew down to the Bahamas, which is not really a place to get away, meaning that there are certainly going to be people that I would see if I would be in, like, your Atlantis or in some other big place, but, but we didn't go there. We went to some remote ashram. It was a yoga center. I was uh, on a symposium. I was part of a group of, of mystics that were going to be talking about their mystical tradition in a very ecumenical interfaith conversation. But I thought, even though I didn't know I was, I was pretty sure I wasn't going to be the only Jew there, I just thought I was the Jew. <laughs> and so I was introduced to all the teachers in the, in the ashram. Hello, uh, Rabbi Ingber, my name is uh, Brahmananda. Hello, Rabbi Ingber, my name is Ishwar. Hello, Rabbi Ingber, my name is Menakshmi. Hello, Rabbi Ingber, my name is Krishnadas. <laughs> Behind each of these clearly Hindu names, and I'm someone who's good at accents, but you don't have to be that good at accents. There is five Israelis <laughs> running the Hindu ashram in the Bahamas. <laughs> the last one, uh, Krishna Das, some of you might know the name from the very popular Kirtan Waller, the Kirtan singer Krishna Das, also a nice Jewish boy. <laughs> Krishna Das was this beautiful, slender, um, Russian-looking man, uh, very white skin and very, very uh, thinning uh, white hair and crystal blue eyes. And he comes next to me and he says, uh, Rabbi, uh, my name is Krishna Das, but really uh, it's uh, Lev. <laughs> and then he says something fantastic. He says, and my last name is Ingber. Lev Ingber. Heart, Lev is Hebrew for heart, heart, Ingber. I had the chills when he told me that. I thought, what are the likelihood, what are the odds that I would fly three and a half hours to a remote Hindu ashram on the Bahamas that you have to get to by three boats, and I'm introduced to someone named Krishna Das who sidles next to me and says, by the way, I'm also an Ingber. Every morning also in this place, we would be awakened by a bell at about 5.15. And we were told that the reason for that was that in their tradition, the hour before sunrise, the hour before sunrise for them is exquisitely attuned to do the inner work. Something happens right before the sun rises. So it was in this container of wherever you go, there you are, right? the sense that even if I was running away, I met myself. And the power of the morning that resonates so deeply for me tonight. Because if you've been following the Torah, you know that tomorrow morning we'll be reading about Jacob, another person who ran away. Jacob who was running away, his past, his relationships, 
his feud with his brother, his unfinished business with his father, his entanglement with his father-in-law Laban and his two wives, his whole entourage is following Jacob everywhere he goes. And tomorrow morning, in every synagogue around the world, we will be reading about someone who embodied the truth that wherever you go, there you are. Wherever Jacob went, there he was. This Jacob, whose name literally means a heel sneak, deceptive one, man who is slip out the back, Jack. <laughs> That's Jacob. But in this week's reading, Jacob will finally meet the one whom he cannot run from, the one whom he must confront, the one who will change him irrevocably, and he will be given a new name. Before he reunites with his brother, he crosses over a river named Yabok to place all of his possessions, all of his loved ones, everything on one side of the river, the river Yabok. And then mysteriously, if one reads the text, one wonders, what happened? Jacob crosses back over the Yabok River. He was safely across this river called Yabok, but nonetheless, something called him back. And it was in returning over the Yabok River that he then has this confrontation. Yabok sounds like Yaakov, Jacob, right? But maybe as Shmuel Klistner has written, it sounds even more like the word that will be used in a moment for wrestling itself. Vayavek ish imo. Vayavek, and he wrestled. That word to wrestle and the word used perhaps by accident, but more likely for a reason for the river, invites us into the question, do we have to cross over the river of wrestling? Must we cross over the river that impedes the wrestling, that impedes the confrontation? There's a crossing that has to take place, and Jacob makes it. He crosses back over the wrestling river, and will be transformed by this wrestling in a struggle that will give him his name. He meets an ish. Vayavek ish imo adalosa shachar. He will wrestle with an unnamed man. Again, in Genesis, someone unnamed will change the course of a character's story. An anonymous individual will be there and will wrestle with him. And as the light of the sun is rising, the angel will ask of Jacob, Shalcheni na kiala muda shachar, kiala shachar, please send me, Shalcheni, send me forth. Sending forth. Send me out, says the angel or man, this mysterious individual, send me. For the light is coming. The rabbis of the Talmud are curious about the relationship between the beginning of that sentence and the, the second half of it. What does the stranger demand to be sent away now that the light is dawning? What's the urgency? Where is he going? What's he scared of? So Shmuel Klistner offers a beautiful interpretation. We're going to go to another one, but here's one. Jacob is wrestling with himself. And as long as he's in the dark, as long as that which he is wrestling with is in the dark, as long as he can't see it, 
As long as that which is invisible is invisible, it has power. But the minute the sun will rise of awareness, of consciousness, the minute something will be made visible, the shadow is afraid. Don't let the light come up on me because then I will be forced to be integrated and I want to stay hidden, says Shmuel Klitzner. Send me now, send me now, send me now. Everybody holding that one interpretation? Now let it go. Because here's something from the Slonim Rebbe that's even, in my personal opinion, more beautiful and more relevant and more, more of something we need to hear tonight. The rabbis themselves offer a conversation about these questions. Why does the angel ask to be sent as the sun rises? And here's what they say. There was a conversation between the angel and Jacob. He says that in this unrecorded dialogue between Jacob and the sparring partner, Jacob demands to know, why must you run away at daybreak? And then the angel, cum man, says, I am an angel, and from the day that I was created, my turn to recite song to God has not arrived until this moment. The angel, in the rabbi's imagination, is a being that is created for a given purpose. And at the moment of its completion, of the moment of its completion, of its journey, of its mission, what it was meant to do in the world, at that moment, he gias mani lomar shira, says this angel to Jacob. You want to know why I have to leave? The sun is rising. Because at this moment, before the sun rises, at this powerful moment of consciousness dawning, I am bid to sing. I am bid to do that very thing that God created me to do, my mission in the world, to sing my song. Higiyaz mani lomar shira. This is the moment that we've all been waiting for. My purpose, my raison d'etre. Higiyaz mani lomar shira. My song has been waiting for all of eternity. For this moment, as the sun rises, Jacob, I have to go. Higiyaz mani lomar shira. My moment to use the divine breath that was placed in me in its highest form, to exhale and to inhale. And in that inhale and exhale, in that breathing cycle, to elevate breath from pure existence to song. Every human being, says the Slon Marebi, is like that angel. Every human being is saying every moment of their life, Higiyaz mani lomar shira, has my moment to sing arrived? Has the sun the calling, the light of day dawned on my purpose, my mission, my unique reason for being here in the world. And every single one of us, every single human being, every single creature, every single son and daughter of the Divine One, says the Son of Marebi, is that Ish, that angel. Each of us with our struggles, each of us with our mission, each of us waiting for that moment when the sun will rise and say, Jill, Nadav, David, Jamie, Maurice, Shari, it's your turn. Your moment to sing has arrived. How terrifying it is to think 
that just as this week's Torah reading occurs, it, it happens in time with the desecration of God's song, with the suffocation of God's divine promise that every human being's exhale could possibly bring forth song. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. You're wrestling with me. You are wrestling with me. And I can't breathe. Each and every person, each and every human being is invited to be angelic in saying, Higiyaz mani lomashira, I have to go because my mission is accomplished and now I'm singing my song. But what do we do about those songs that are cut short? Those unfinished songs. Those songs that just began or were curtailed. What do we do with Rav Cook's invitation to see all of the world as a fourfold song, a song of the self, a song of the nation, a song of the cosmos, a song of all of creation, Shir Hashirim, the song of songs of Solomon. Each of us, each of us has his man, has an invitation. Our society at large is invited to recognize that to recognize inside each and every human being the absolute, irreducible, unalienable song that is their unique song. Each of us is a shaliach, a messenger deployed for spirit. I was talking to with my friend Norman Atkins a couple of hours before Shabbat, and we were really struggling together about whether it was appropriate to make the analogy in the struggling match, Esav and Yaakov, and what happened with Eric Garner and the police. We sat for an hour talking about this, and then he wrote this to me. I didn't ask his permission. Zohar, you'll apologize for me. He wrote to me, I don't know whether the Yaakov-Esav wrestling works as an analogy for what's happened here in New York City. I'm struggling with that, and I appreciate the struggle with you. But on the video of Eric Garner, there is such a bizarre intimacy as the man is calling out, I can't breathe, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. We see that he is maximally vulnerable, maximally overpowered, not by one police officer, but by several, and God should have allowed him to walk away with a limp and not strangulation. But I don't know, he said, the soul or the intention or the quality of being of Michael Brown or Eric Garner, but perhaps on some level, they represent the Ish and the criminal justice system and the police. We have not come to a stalemate with them or even a fair, reasonable wrestling match that even let us wrestle. They didn't even bring us to a grand jury through to the wrestling. It was shot down before there could be an exchange or wrestling. And Norman finishes, but rather we extinguished the Ish, we slew the angel, we killed our brother, we took away a piece of God. I would say we silenced a song of God. 
We've silenced a song of God. It is my moment to say song. Eric Garner had a song. Michael Brown had a song. Heather Kong had a song. You know, I, I, um, I told this story yesterday at the funeral for our, um, one of our members, Heather Kong, who passed this week. Those of you who didn't get a chance to meet her, she was someone who on Christmas Eve could be found with her friends all over New York bringing food to those who didn't have anything to eat that night. She was somebody who last year during a snowstorm was one of the first people over to our friend Michelle's home to help in that shiva for Michelle. And the story is a well-known Hasidic story and I'll, I'll close with this. I'm sorry, it's a little bit late. There was a tzaddik, there was a, there was a righteous man. And Rabbi Yitzchak, you know this story so well. His name was Itzel Avorka. He was a lover of all people. He was a big heart. And he had a friend, Menachem Mendel Kotz, the Kotzke Rebbe. And when the Itzel when Avorka, when the Itzel Avorka died, Rabbi Itzel, he told his son, also named Menachem Mendel, he told both his best friend, the Kutzker, and his son, I will come visit you in a dream. And when he passed away, each of them waited for a few weeks to see their father, to see their best friend return and tell them what things were like in heaven. But they heard nothing. They didn't get a word from him. And so the son of the Vorka went to his his father's best friend, the Vorka, went to the Kutzker, and he said, have you seen or heard from my father as he appeared to you in a dream? And the Kutzker said, no, he didn't. And I waited. And as long as I waited, I couldn't wait any longer, and so I decided to go find him myself. And so I went into heaven. And I started roaming through heaven looking for my friend, the Itzla, or Itzla Vorka. I went and I knocked in one room and another room. I went to a chamber, from chamber to chamber. I went to all of the different places where I would imagine I would find my friend, Rabbi Itzla. And finally, I came to the chamber of the Messiah, and I said, have you seen Rabbi Itzla? And he said, yeah, he was here. But he went that way. And as the Kutzker turned, he saw a huge forest before him. It was dark, it was scary, he went in. He traveled for what seemed like, ev- like forever. And as he approached the edge of the forest, he could hear a crash, a sound. He'd never heard anything like it in his life. It was terrifying, the immensity of the noise. And as he came into the clearing, he saw before him a huge, endless, infinite ocean. He'd never seen a body of water that looked anything like it. And there, over on the rock, with his little shtekel, with his stick, was his friend, Rabbi Itzala. He had found him. He came over to Rabbi Itzala and he said, Rabbi Itzala, I've been looking for you everywhere. We've been waiting for you to come back and tell us how things are on the other side. What's going on? And Rabbi Itzala said, I'll tell you. You see this ocean? This ocean is an ocean of tears. 
This ocean is an ocean of tears, of all of the suffering and the persecution, of all of the songs that have been cut short, of all of those travesties of justice, all of those moments of despair, of confusion, of disappointment, of loss and longing and yearning. And I promised myself that I will not take my place in heaven until all of these tears are dry. Just as I did that here in this world, I will do it above. And so I want to say to those angels, I want to say to those people who have died, we will finish your song. We will finish your song. Because the sun is rising. The sun is rising on a new day. The sun is rising on a day where we will cross together over the river of wrestling to engage in truth, to not evade and run from, but to face with integrity and honesty those things which need to be touched and brought close, intimately aligned and integrated into who we are as people, who we are as a culture, who we are as a society. And on that day, the song will resound. The song of songs, the song of every creature. May that day come soon, and may we, those who are finishing the song, may we hold it with courage and with and with the strength of our love to see that through. No justice, more peace.